Welcome to the Grand Allen Independence Podcast, the real night of the Twisters. Sponsored by Tio Haas Tire. Tio Haas Tire is the home of the courtesy inspection where they check your brakes, belts, hoses, fluids, tires, and more absolutely free. Tio Haas Tire, a tradition of trust since 1947. Today we'll talk to three different survivors about what they remember from that fateful night almost 41 years ago, June 3rd, 1980. We'll kick things off with Grand Allen Independent reporter Robert Poor talks to Brent Lindner, a resident of Grand Allen, was 13 years old and remembers pretty vividly the day of and the day after the real night of the Twisters. My name is Brent C. Lindner. Uh, I've been living on and off in Grand Island now since 1972. Where were you at the time of June 3rd, 1980, and what were you doing, and what's your biggest memory of that day? Boy, that was a, it, it was a crazy day, and the, the night of the tornadoes, you know, I don't recall being, you know, that there was fear in the air, or, or kind of what was going on. We, we knew there were tornadoes in the area, but and, and we actually lived on Stewart Road, so we were right by Mavis Bowl, where that was an area that got decimated and we were just on the the east side of Stewart Road. Were you living with your parents? Yep. Okay. My, How old were you at that time? I would have been uh, let's see 1980 13 14. 13 or 14. Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, we had just we had just moved there. We lived outside of town a little bit and, and moved in and that night I remember cuz it, it rained so hard also. So we had a back patio with stairs going down to the basement. So we were getting flooded out. There was water coming down so fast. So we were dealing with that. There were high winds. We, we knew there were tornado warnings. And my dad was actually up on the roof tacking down shingles all during this. And that's all I remember from that night. Because we, we I think we slept in the basement. And then I remember, I mean, the... The most of the story comes from then the day after, because there's no, really I knew there were storms, and that was it. Then I went to bed, and I remember waking up, and I could smell like bacon and eggs. My dad would get up and cook breakfast. Till utilities were still going. Well, and everything. I thought they were. Uh-huh. So, but I smelled the bacon and eggs. So when I went upstairs. There were no utilities. He was cooking up in the garage oh, I on a little Coleman stove. Uh-huh. So I'm like, and, and then my dad goes, hey, it's, it's pretty bad out there. So I actually got on my bike, and my good friend Brian Poshton lived right across from Mavis Bowl. And I rode my bike up there, and their house was flattened. And I approached the house, and I saw blood everywhere and I just freaked out I I got on my bike I get emotional about this I I pedal back and I I was crying to my mom and dad I'm like oh my god the potions are whatever right in this so for about an hour hour and a half maybe I didn't know their whereabouts or what happened well and it turns out they they were all okay they were in the basement but their their house got destroyed right and they were right there was there any damage to your home no we lost some trees and some shingles uh-huh. we were just yeah. right on the edge of all that that got flattened yeah that was amazing to see how 
selective a storm can be. Some houses were didn't seem like they got damaged at all. Like, and then you see a house that's totally leveled and stuff like that. So that must have been a traumatic event because this is your best friend and you know this family and you and you see blood and you you, you your mind jumps to the worst possible consequence. Unfortunately, yeah. So, well, turned, and you were thirteen years old at the time too. Oh yeah, it, and it, and it turns out now behind Mavis Bowl to the north there were actually horses, several horses. The gentleman whoever whoever owned that had horses there. So the blood was actually it blew a horse over to their house and it landed there and it. It had already been hauled away, but it had bled out, so it was it it was messy. So and it, it freaked me out. But that was the the reason for the blood. Yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah. But so I mean, a relief, of course, that you know, and and the phone lines worked. Uh-huh. So in, in general, after that, well, Brian came down. They were at some friend's house, and we were just riding our bikes around. Mm-hmm. So. And I remember uh, Jimmy Carter, the man, the, the man from Georgia, right. came and surveyed, and he drove right by Brian's house in Mavis Bowl. So we're, we're out there, you know, the fanfare. Uh, I mean, this like this this had to be a shock for a 13 year old boy to see your world just kind of disrupted. But at the same time, there was sort of a an instinct to go out there and help people. I mean. Uh, you see that after, in, I read stories about World War II where right after a city got bombed like London or Hamburg or something like that, instead of just going in and shock, people were out helping people all the time. And that's the kind of what you saw here, too. Even as a young boy, you were out, out there helping people. It was. With no question about it. Yeah, and you, just saw, and you saw a lot of other people doing it. Uh-huh. I think the interesting thing was that, you know, and I'm just a young kid, not realizing that I had no clue. I mean, that was my just little corner of the world. I wasn't aware of South Locust and that there had been deaths and that there were other areas that just got decimated. It was kind of localized just around our little neighborhood, you know, our friends and neighbors. And not, you know, until maybe months later or years later where you fully grasped how big this yeah this the totality was and, of it and right how uh-huh. dangerous it was because yeah. you know my dad's up there tacking on roofs we're yeah. we're watching the flood come in trying to put stuff up in the basement sure. and all the while this is going on buildings are getting ripped apart and and with no no clue what's going on coming back we'll talk to a lady who was home with two toddlers by herself during the storm. The man who was truck driving on the road and had no idea the storms even happened until they were over, and how frantically he tried to check on his family who was okay. Yes, I'm talking about my parents, as we were survivors of the real night of the Twisters. I'll interview my folks coming up. When it's time to hit the road, the last thing you need to worry about is your vehicle. At T.L. Haas Tire, we'll inspect your brakes, belts, hoses, fluid, suspension, tires, and more. All done by a certified technician and all done absolutely free. And don't forget, we have a tire for every vehicle and every budget with optimum tire wear, fuel economy, and most importantly, driver safety. T.L. Haas Tire and Auto, a tradition of trust. 
Welcome back to the Grand Island Independent Podcast, Real Night of the Twisters. I am Josh Salmon. It's very rare that a guy like myself gets to interview his own parents, but we were survivors of the Real Night of the Twisters in 1980. We lived on 8th Street and Jefferson, right by Jefferson Elementary School. I was two years old, almost three. I had an older brother who was four, almost five. Neither of us remember that night at all. My mom was home alone with us. But my mom talked about how she stayed calm during the storm. After mom will talk about dad, who was on the road truck driving and had no idea the tornadoes even hit until the next day. It's a real night of the twisters with my parents. Go ahead, mom. What, did, what do you remember? I remember watching the news, and it seemed like the sirens were going off west of town. So I knew I had to get you boys safe. I wasn't, I'm not the type of person that panics. But I knew it was dangerous, so I took you boys down the basement, and during the night I would go upstairs and get whatever we needed, some food, some toys, because you guys were just toddlers. And I took the beanbag down there so that you had something soft and comfortable to sit in. And we just stayed down the basement, and the sirens kept going off, and the electricity was gone, and I could, you know, couldn't call anybody. Phone lines were down. Mattresses over Yeah, here. I put a mattress up over the top of us, and we just kind of hid underneath there with the... Uh, you guys thought it was okay. You were having fun. You thought it was <laughs> something different, but it was it was a little scary to me. And it, it, they didn't sound the all clear until like 4 o'clock in the morning. So then I finally took you boys upstairs and let you finish sleeping. Did and the next winds or, I mean, oh, the outside? Horrendous wind. I had We had no idea how much damage was done until the next day when your dad came home. But it was pretty loud, and the, the National Guard, I think, was out, too. Oh, yeah. And then nobody could have water because they were worried about contamination of the wells, and we were the only ones that had a yard well, so we let all the neighbors come to our house for water because nobody had any water. And when Dad called me that morning, he got through, and then after that, nobody could call anybody. I don't know how he got through that particular time i think the lord was helping us out there but so he knew that we were safe at least then we couldn't communicate after that at all it was pretty scary even my mom went to the basement in her house and she never goes <laughs> yeah grandma it takes a lot to get grandma in the basement yes <laughs> she'd sit at the table and say well if god wants me he knows where i'm at <laughs> so probably hail and rain and did you look out a window or anything did you oh, see anything oh yes i was constantly peeking out the windows and it was just lightning and thunder and it was pretty scary it wasn't as loud in the basement as it would have been upstairs but i just pretended like you know we were just having kind of a camp out in the basement and did we get scared at all as the kids not really not really i made sure that you had plenty to eat and you had your toys and we played and i don't think you were afraid you just thought it was, well, this is something fun and different. Had to stay up all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they went to sleep, you know, kind of at normal time. I kept sneaking upstairs and peeking out the windows. and We had a little portable radio, so I was listening to whatever came through on the radio. But a lot of times you couldn't get anything. Sure. I don't really know for sure. I think they had sirens that... Oh. Sounded the all clear when it was done. The siren, they said the sirens are going off and on oh, all night yeah. long. Yeah. So, when next morning you went outside and looked, was the garage little? She covered, never. Covered. She, I really didn't even go. To be honest, I didn't even go outside. I, I didn't know it until Dad got home later. I think it was later the same day. Yeah. And 
he was, you know, looking at the outside. I was just kind of busy taking care of your kids and making sure the neighbors got some water and, you know, so I didn't really know what exactly what happened outside. Let's take you back June 3rd, 1980, uh, the real night of the Twisters. I'm here with my parents who uh, we lived through that night. Dad, what do you remember that night? You were on the road truck driving. I knew there was a storm coming in and I had, I was on my way to Chicago. So I thought, well, I'm going to leave early and get out of here so I can stay ahead of the storm and not have to drive in rain all night long getting there. It takes about seven and a half hours to get to Chicago. Well, anyway, I took off and uh, headed out of town, and I knew there was a storm behind me, but didn't think too much about it. And I got into Walcott, Iowa, and it was earlier uh, in the morning, pretty early in the morning. It must have been about 6 o'clock. And I was in the shower, and I wanted to wake up a little bit, so I took a nice shower. And and uh, anyway, I heard these two old farmers talking in there, and one says, "Boy, wasn't that a storm last night and out west there?" And I kept listening to it, and pretty soon I said, uh, "What? What? Where are you talking about out west?" And he said, "Well, in Nebraska." I said, "Nebraska? What part?" And he said, "Grand Island." And I said, "Well, that's where I'm from. What happened?" And they said they had quite a few tornadoes just hovering the town for over six hours last night and it kept coming down and it destroyed a good portion of South Locust or on the main street going south of town. So immediately I'd get out of the shower and I'd call and I got a hold of your mom and that was the only time I was able to get a hold of her. She told me that you guys had spent the night in the basement and, uh, and then I'll, anyway, uh, I carried, I, I talked to her and she said you were all right so I finished my load and in Chicago and headed home right away, and I'll let her take over. Oh, when I got back to town, they wouldn't let me into town because it was all blocked off. So I had to reroute and go out in the country and come back around and get the trailer parked out of Chief Industries. And I managed to get in my car, and I got home, and uh, it kind of made a, our garage kind of picked it up, kind of turned a cockeyed on 8th Street there on Jefferson and 8th, I guess it was, wasn't it? And... Um, and then it peeled a lot of the paint off, so we had to have uh, the house repainted and uh, straighten out the garage the best we could by hand. And let's see what else. Oh, and then uh, I decided, well, I have movie cameras, so I talked to my friend, and I don't remember which one it was, and I jumped in the back of his pickup, and we drove down through South Locust there, and I took movies of all this. Uh, that was kind of my experience and remembering what it was all about. Um, other than the cleanup was just a mess and, and building Tornado Hill out there by the National Guard building. So was most of South Locust then wiped out? Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. South Locust got it really, really and, bad. And uh, uh, Bismarck out there. Yes. By the bowling alley south yeah. of there, they Going got east. hit bad. Picked pick one house up and flipped it around and set it back on the foundation. But that, they picked that house up, turned it around, set it on the foundation, and they just left it there and changed the walls in the basement. <laughs> decided to change the walls are cheaper than right. turning the house around again. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, Ed, when you were driving in the car the next day with your friend or whatever, and you saw... What I was, was in the back of the pickup. Okay. Uh, what was your first thoughts of the destruction? I mean, did you not realize... Did you realize the caliber until you saw all the... You don't really think about it. Um, I'll tell you, it, it actually looked like a bomb went off. I've seen a lot of sites like that, and it looked like one whale of a, a, a bomb went, went off because everything... You know, it just—it was just nothing but shattered. This debris scattered everywhere, not just wood, bricks, tar paper, garbage. I couldn't Trees, believe it. Cars. Trees, yeah, cars scattered all over. 
I remember there was one motorhome that had a two by four driven through the tire, and the air it went in so fast yeah. that the tire the air never even came out of the tire. The air was still in the that, tire with that right. two by four sticking out. There was of a it. picture of that in the paper. Was there? Mm-hmm. Well, that was, I remember that. I, I that was pretty. About it. But it was just like everything was kind of flattened and jumbled up and. You couldn't even picture what it looked like before. No. Well, my parents and I and my brother are very thankful that we got to be survivors of The Real Night of the Twisters. We appreciate you tuning in here to this edition of The Real Night of the Twisters from Grand Island Independent Podcast. Sponsored by Tijuas Tire. Tijuas Tire is the home of the courtesy inspection where they check your brakes, belts, hoses, fluids, tires, and more absolutely free. Tijuas Tire, a tradition of trust since 1947. Come back next time for Episode 4 of The Real Night of the Twisters, presented by the Grand Allen Independent. This podcast, copyright, Grand Allen Independent and Lee Enterprises, 2021. Written, produced, and voiced by Josh Salmon. I want to thank you, Robert Poor, for coming on. Brent Lindner for telling your story as well. Until next time, everybody, so long.